And he was like, you're the starter. He was like, go get it and good luck. And we ended up winning two nothing. And I think it was like our first shutout of the year. And it was the first time we had a multiple goal game. So after that, it was like, boom, you've got it. And uh, I ended up turning the season around and was up for rookie of the year. All right, well, let's get started. Okay. Welcome, Jane, to Two Washups, One Pro, episode one with me and Joe. I'm sure Amazing. you you know us already here, but yes. Yes. how are you? How's I'm great. Yeah, life? thank you so much for having me. Super honored. Um, episode one, I'm more honored to be on episode one than like episode like 72. But um, yeah, know you guys from obviously years. So this is going to be a great conversation. Oh, for sure it is. Now, let me actually give you a proper introduction. Um, welcome, Carolyn Jane <laughs> Campbell, former Stanford Cardinal, former Concord Fire, even going farther back, former yeah, NASA, wow. NASA kid, Georgia yeah. kid, U.S. Women's National Team member, starting goalkeeper for Houston Dash, and the queen of saving PKs. <laughs> Back. Yes, How you. are you doing? Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. That was a, uh, you know, we don't need to go any further into the cobwebs of history of Jane Campbell. Thank you. Um, oh, we oh, we have a deep, don't worry, Joanna does thorough research. We have a deep. I'm sure. We also, actually, we awesome. have a resume for you ready to create. So. I hope the, you guys have darling, created a resume. A Darlington alum. Yes. yes. Go Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> I like didn't realize how remote Rome, Georgia is now that I'm in Georgia. Yeah, the only thing there was the Walmart and the Chick-fil-A house. So it was like not your normal Chick-fil-A. It was like the kitty house that you can enter through the mini door in the front. That was like the big deal. And then the Walmart. Our mall had four stores plus a movie theater, which showed like three movies. So like on crazy Friday nights, it's like, let's go to the movies. <laughs> yeah, when we were giving you we were giving you hell about it I didn't realize that you were yeah. actually in the middle in the sticks of Georgia yeah yeah it's the boonies yeah, yeah. but okay, like awesome. we survived That's great. you are here and you're thriving you're thank thriving. you yes um just to kind of just start us off can you walk us you know briefly walk us through how you got into soccer and if you can recall the moment you fell in love with the game I know you're a basketball lover but yeah. when you fell in love with soccer Oh gosh. Um, I think I started at like you, I don't know, we all played at like what you four or something. Um, my team was the skunks. We wore lime green t-shirts. It was great. Um, that was before like keepers even existed. And then I joined NASA, which before NASA was a club called United Quest. Mm. I joined them when I was like nine. United Quest then turned into NASA. Um, I guess it was like two separate clubs and they they formed whatever. Um, and then I guess I was kind of good at it. You know, everyone was like, yeah, you're for sure on the team. But then I was doing like, <laughs> I was doing like ballet at the time. I was doing tennis and basketball. So um, they were kind of like, oh, if you want to like make this a thing, you're going to have to like prioritize club soccer. I was like, interesting. So that's when I quit dance. Um, that would have been fun. And- yeah, yeah, my career would have been very different if I, uh, you know, maybe had gone another way, but that's okay. Um, and I think, you know, I think I fell in love with the game maybe when I was like about maybe 12. Um, you know, I always told my dad like tells this stupid story, which I don't even know if it's true. I'm sure he just tells it to like make it fun. But like he said when I was like eight or nine that I like wanted to go to the Olympics for soccer. And I'm like, interesting. Maybe you thought that in your mind, but like, sure. Maybe I said it as well, you know, <laughs> like that's kind of cool. But uh, yeah. So I think that's probably about when I did, but at the same time, like, like you said, basketball and tennis were like so fun for me and tennis. I don't, you know, going back, if I could do it all over again, maybe I would have done tennis, but at the same time being in a team sport, I'm very successful at, I think if I was an individual sport, I would, fail so uh, it's probably yeah yeah it's probably good I chose soccer basketball obviously was very fun but I think obviously you know as both of us know we're all three of us went through this recruiting process and like picking colleges and that sort of thing like you kind of got the feel of like how good you kind of were I guess um it was kind of a weird time but um I guess going to college for soccer for that matter I was like okay I guess 
you know, I'm pretty good at it. And yeah, well, let's just see where it goes. Pretty good. <laughs> well, on that note, uh, as the non-lifer youth national <laughs> to hear that, you know, growing up the same age as you guys, both two, yeah. two household names at the young ages. <laughs> um, we wanted to talk to you a bit about kind of your experience um, being what was, I mean, basically a national team player at the youth level since, I mean, I don't, when can you join 12? I think like yeah. in the first camp and they never, yeah. I mean, fair, you were excellent. So I'm glad they did that, but talk about kind of that experience growing up. I know how much I sacrificed to kind of play the sport and get recruited and go to college, but being a na- youth national team player for essentially all those years, even prior to Stanford, um, did you feel like there was a lot of pressure? Did you feel like there was a stigma about you kind of publicly because you obviously were super successful starting very young. Um, yeah, talk about that a bit. Yeah, I think I, I, I'm pretty sure my first camp, Joe was there. Um, it was our U14 ID camp. Wearing at, the same bun. Yeah, yeah, same bun, everything. My gosh. Um, I, I don't even remember. It was in California somewhere at some not-so-great college, college. But, yeah, um, and it was, like, the top 100 kids under U14 and um, – you know, my dad or my mom and dad, for that matter, were like, you know, what is this really? Like, what, you know, what are we sending you to? Like, no parents were allowed, you know, and like, you just had to send your kid off across the country, essentially, to go to the soccer camp. And so one of my, um, I guess now she's kind of like my big sister, but she was a few years older than me. And she went to UGA and was kind of like, Mr. Campbell, like, she's got to go like, this is a national team camp. And he was like, okay, like, sure, whatever, see ya. And then um, from then on, you know, like, I think from that camp, they just shaved down the roster, um, you know, every three months. It went from, like, 100 to, like, 80 to 60 to whatever. And then you got into, like, U15, U16. And then I think for Joe and I, it went from U14 and then maybe U15 and then jumped straight into U17s for World Cup, you know, the World Cup phase and qualifying and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, that lasted, I think, is a two-and-a-half-year cycle. And then from U17s, I, I, we both jumped, I guess, technically from U17 to U20. I think now they have a U19, but from us, it was like, yeah, I think it was like U17 straight to U20. And then that's another two and a half year cycle. And then from U20, I jumped straight to U23, but now they have U21, I think. Um, Or maybe they had 21. I don't know, but straight from 23 and then into 23, I got called in the full team. So um, it was quite, uh, you know, looking back, I think I only missed two camps, two youth camps ever from U14 to U23, um, which is quite insane. Um, I didn't think there was much pressure necessarily, but especially when we got into like the World Cup cycles um, for the 17s and the 20s, especially the 20s, um, that year for me, or that cycle, I just hated it. I just wasn't happy, didn't like playing um, for that group and, uh, you know, there was a ton of stuff going on behind the scenes soccer-wise that... Um, I didn't think the staff handled very well, but in that regard, that was kind of the phase where I was going into Stanford. Um, so I was, I was also in that phase of like joining a new group, but again, like kind of like you said, like the pressure of going into college, everyone knew who we were. So it's like, Oh, as a freshman, you better fricking perform. And then as a freshman, you know, I didn't play that great at Stanford my freshman year and everyone's kind of like, are you just kind of like a bust, you know, whatever. And then, you know, I ended up turning around sophomore year, but I don't know, it was very an interesting dynamic, you know, also social media back when we were 14, 15, wasn't that big of a thing, but it kind of was like, I know I had Facebook and I think Twitter, but you know, my parents, my parents were like worse on it than I was. Like my mom would send me articles of like top door soccer, like Jane Campbell's ranking drops. Like, you know, it's like your ranking drops like 20 because you lose an ECNL event and you're like, you know, I don't know. It was just like, probably lost oh my to gosh. Castle like, Chelsea ladies. Yeah. Like, and it's like front lines, like Brian Moore, choose out Concord fire soccer in front of the whole turn. You know, it's like so embarrassing, but then at the same time, you know, you go to class the next day at, you know, your high school, or your middle school, and everyone's like, what'd you do on the weekend? You know, it's like, yeah. well, oh, on that note, like, can you talk a little bit about kind of finding, I guess, balance? I mean, I don't necessarily know if I, I mean, I think more hindsight, I'm not sure I was successful at that at a young age, but I can't even imagine with your schedule. Did you feel like you had balance? Would you have changed anything looking back at that experience? Yeah, I think uh, when we entered freshman year, I think that was like our U14, 15 cycle. So that's when like we started missing a lot of school. And I think my freshman year, I missed something like 
45 to 55 days of school, um, school days. And obviously like the headmaster was like, yo, like this isn't cutting it. And, uh, that was at my old private school, uh, it's called Walker school. It's just a normal day school. And so my biology teacher literally said, he was like, I'm just going to fail you unless you show up for class. And I was just like, well, I'm not showing up for class cause I will be away. So, um, after that year I had, I, my freshman GPA was like a two, six. And so my mom was like, okay, this isn't going to cut it for college. Cause like, you're not going to go anywhere with that, regardless of an athlete or not. So that's kind of when Darlington popped up in the picture and my very good friend, Allison, you, I think you guys both know her, um, went there already. So Chad Little, who was my goalkeeper coach at the time was like, Hey, why don't you just come to Darlington? It's the, almost the same education. You can live here and we can manage the workload for missing school. So Thankfully, you know, Darlington was great. And um, at the time, the headmaster was a former professional snowboarder. So he was like, oh, I like know exactly what you're doing. I was like, okay, like, I'm just gonna miss 60 days of school. That's okay. And turned out it, it ended up being fine. So I think actually going to boarding school, we always joked, Joe and I and all of our friends, like how rigorous and strict my parents were going to boarding school, I think was great, because I got out of the rules, you know, like, all I had to do was follow the boarding school rules, not my parents. So I actually was able to manage my time a, a lot better that way. Um, and I think it was a blessing in disguise. I mean, I heard going into Stanford, there were so many like roommate horror stories of like how roommates couldn't get along, but I had been living with someone sophomore through senior year in high school. So that also really helped the transition to college. It was like a piece of cake for me, whereas I know others really struggled. Um, and that's a real thing. But I think the soccer part, you know, it was like all of us know, you know, it was super late night sometimes. And like, you know, sometimes you just like wanted to lay in bed all day and just like not even go to school, not go to practice. So that did, you know, take a toll. But I think at the end of the day, as long as I kept busy, you know, in the off season, which was winter, I would wake up and go to basketball at six in the morning, come back, walk back to my dorm, shower, start school, finish school, then go to soccer, come back and I'd be done. My day would end at like nine 30. So, um, I was just happy being busy, but I mean, looking back, I don't know how kids do it nowadays. I mean, some kids are doing three trainings a night, like all soccer and they're like nine years old, you know? And I'm just like, golly, I just can't imagine that. But, you know. You think playing basketball for so long has helped you like transition as a goalkeeper? Do you think, it, I know probably you get that question a lot, but do you think playing basketball helped at all? Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, I think it was a huge help. And it like helped my fitness. Not that like we need fitness because I just walk, you know, like a mile a game. But like, as you guys are like running 10. But um, I think like fitness and like athleticism wise, it helped. But also, um, like Kobe Bryant kind of talks about this, how basketball translates to soccer actually very similarly. It's, it's always just 5v5 instead of 11v11. So mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you guys know this. I do not watch soccer. Couldn't tell you one thing about the professional side. No, no idea. Other than, other than my two great friends right here. So, um, like, I don't watch it, you know. Um, you know, people on the team with Houston are watching, you know, like friends. And, you know, so many people are now going over to England. So people are watching all the England matches, which is great. But, like, I just – I'd rather, like, watch the NBA finals. So, for me, I still have to love pick? the game. Who's your pick? Uh, I, I got to go with the Lakers. And then what yeah, about, are you Lakers. engaged in the WNBA? Who's your finals pick? Um, I hope uh, Vegas wins. I actually just love their jerseys, but I'm, you know, I'm a fan of everyone. Ace. The, the Aces. Yeah. The Soccer. Aces, yeah. Um, the baller, yeah. The girl on the yeah. Aces. Yeah. Baller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I would, I would love to like go to one of their games one day. That would be sick. But uh yeah, I don't we'll really have too many. Yeah, thank you. That would be great. Yeah, I don't have too many ties in WNBA. Obviously, Atlanta's got a team, but um, they didn't do too hot that, this year. But that's okay. You know, there's always next year. Um, so, yeah, I would say basketball for sure has helped. I, But, like, the love of the game, like you talked about earlier, I think my love for basketball will always resonate, I think, more than, like, watching soccer, as awful as that sounds. But I do think they translate. That's really cool. That's yeah. really cool. Very, very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So I know you mentioned Kobe, but mm -hmm. is there one person that you feel like has had such an impact on your career, either off the field or on the field or someone that you just really have learned from and has taught you lessons that you still, you still hold on to today? 
Yeah, um, someone actually asked me this in COVID, and uh, I was like, I don't really think I have one specific person. Um, my brother is in the Coast Guard, um, Joe, I think you know that, and uh, mm -hmm. he's a helicopter pilot and just like a genius, and like I did not get the brains of the family, and he did, mm -hmm. so like his his drive to almost be a perfectionist when it comes to like studying like every time I call him I'm like what are you doing he's like oh I'm studying for a flight that's in like four months and I'm like interesting you know like I would never do that but <laughs> you know so like his drive to be like top of his class and like he just got awarded um like the best squadron of 2019 in the coast guard like the whole coast guard and he's 28 so I thought that was pretty cool for him so he'll always kind of be a role model to me in that regard but like I could say, hey, LeBron James walked down the sidewalk the other day and he'd be like, who? You know, I'm like, okay, well, that's where we're a little different. Um, but I don't know, my parents and I always talked about like having like a close circle. Um, and so my circle of coaches or I guess like mentors would be my mom and dad. And then my strength coach back home, his name is Mark Kovacs. He's really helped my athletic development. And then I would say like one or two of my goalkeeper coaches um, who we don't need to bore them with the names, but they've really helped me just, become a pro and like my uh, rookie year in Houston was horrendous and or the beginning part was horrendous and I just wasn't playing myself so they kind of helped me I guess find my path back again and playing just how I did at Stanford which was just like with fun and joy so uh, I wouldn't say I have one specific person but that group of people I'll always be indebted to them and uh, I think they've really just one gotten me to where I am now but I always tell them you know I really want to grow and if you're not if you're not on board with me growing, that's totally fine. But, you know, you can step aside kind of thing. So, um, yeah. yeah. Out of curiosity, this is kind of going off that. What are you working on athletically? Because you're just dumb athletic. <laughs> um, let's see. Right now, so over the last, like, two years, um, I had a national – or I guess three – two and a half years ago, I had a national team coach tell me I needed to work on my vertical. So, um, after that, I found Mark, my strength coach. I was like, okay, Mark – like, I know nothing about you, and I know he's very, very uh, – he has a great resume, and he's worked with, like, Andre Agassi with tennis, and he coaches a ton of tennis stars, but has worked with NFL players, you know, NBA guys, NHL, you name it. So um, my parents met him at a wedding, coincidentally, and that's how we got in touch. But um, I was like, yeah, Mark, I need to do this, this, and this. You know, can you help me? I need to, I need to nail, like, the classic uh, – it was like that classic power testing we did that we've all done through youth <laughs> clubs. It's just like, you know, it's just a mess. It's like, if you can't jump more than 15 inches, you suck at soccer kind of thing. And I was like, wow, okay. There was, um, <laughs> it's the jumping on that freaking rubber mat. Yes, yeah, exactly oh, that. And I like, could only slide a credit card. At least card you didn't go second to Lynn Williams, your freshman, <laughs> your first year in the NWSL. They were like, this is off the charts. And then the eye went up and they were like, okay. Next. <laughs> yeah, and like the classic like arrow run or whatever. Like yeah. if you can't cut a corner, like you're not athletic at all. So I remember you know, sorry, I'm just gonna group here. I remember Mandy Freeman one time. Yeah. We did it on we did it when I had this in my head. We were on the rubber mats. She hung in the air and everyone was like looking at each other. <laughs> we slipped on the way down because she hung up so long. And I'm yeah. like, and then I went and I was like, boop. <laughs> 11 inches <laughs> but I can win ahead of her yeah I can exactly her. listen oh like yeah so that testing I had to prep for for mm -hmm. this full team camp so Mark and I got to work and so the big focus that year was my explosiveness and my vertical um which we increased which was great and I think I did okay um I got another call back which was great so then as I've gone through the years as a pro um my focus going into the 2019 season was my explosiveness laterally mm -hmm. um and I felt I was just I know how athletic I am and like explosive I am but I wanted to be I guess like even springier and I wanted to cover I'm only why well, now I'm tall for a female goalkeeper being 5'9 but I wanted to cover more of the goal right and left instead mm -hmm. of just like up and down so that was a focus and then coming into 2020 before COVID hit, the focus was I wanted to work on my speed within five yards, five to 10 yards, depending on um, the situation. So that would kind of replicate a through ball or a breakaway. And I know, again, I'm a bit faster than the average goalkeeper um, in the league and in the world, but I want to 
you know, like the Lynn Williams, who will always be the fastest people on earth and Crystal Dunn's, but how can I work on my explosiveness forward so that it catches them off guard? That was going to be kind of my focus coming into 2020. And obviously with COVID, it's been a bit uh, jumbled. So um, now I'm kind of just working on prepping for off season. And with this fall series, I've kind of treated the fall series as off season. So I'm not too focused on necessarily the performance in the games. I'm kind of keeping the games as like almost practice and trying new things in the games to see if I can replicate that come next year. So um, in 2021, I'm hoping those things the last two years that I've worked on will kind of show in season rather than focusing on something new during the COVID year. So in terms of that work, I mean, I think if you plan a team, oftentimes goalkeepers are off on their own. I think you guys jump mm-hmm. into practice later on. Uh, I, f- I would say for me and Joanne, a lot of our training was like in group play. So yeah. I'm curious, like, is this work that you focus on in the off season? Are you kind of yearly working on these things kind of on your own um, outside of teamwork and, and things of that matter? Yeah, I would say it's definitely, uh, I guess I'd say it's more individual and more private. Um, our goalkeeper coach with Houston, him and I have gone through some things that, um, correlate with the strength side of things so like uh my range on crosses is something super basic but also the when it comes to the explosiveness moving forward and closing the five and ten yards he wants me to work on then my control and with those five to ten yards so it all kind of comes together um on pitch we work on strictly the soccer side so um he doesn't really coach me in the weight room that is up to mark so Mark and I will actually all like videotape all my, all my weight room stuff and send it to Mark and say, okay, you know, let's dissect this and go through it. And, you know, Mark will come back with me and be like, okay, your right knee is caving in a bit. Um, Let's work on your stability. So when you push off with your right leg, you get the explosive power instead of only using like 75%. So it's kind of cool how they all work together. But in the fall series, um, again, because it is kind of off season, I I wake up in the morning and go lift before training and do all of my work with Mark. And then I'll go train on field. And then I'll come back at the end of the day and go back to sleep because I'm tired. So, yeah, <laughs> um, but I would, I, I would definitely say it's like a yearly thing. But again, if it's like a normal season, like 2019, once season kind of starts, Mark's stuff isn't really put to the side. It's more of like, okay, let's maintain and then if there's ever like a break in the season, like a World Cup break or maybe a FIFA break where we get maybe five or six days off, that's when him and I will ramp up some new things. So where that break ends, we're still maintaining, but also maybe taking one or two steps forward. So by the end of season, come off season, we're really ready to push to really improve for the next four months. So I guess also too, so I know it's tough kind of planning your life when you're constantly getting pulled in and out of camps with kind of, you know, being on that like fringe of like coming in sometimes, coming out sometimes, coming in sometimes. That has to be tough mentally to be able to mentally and physically to plan like what you're trying to work on based off your Houston schedule and then based off the full team schedule where it's like, I could be called in, I could not be called in. Is that like kind of walk us through like, I know it's mentally like yeah. destructive, but yeah, mentally it's definitely a, uh, you know, quite the battle, I think. Um, you know, I think the ultimate goal on the women's side, I think, is to get to U.S. soccer or, or for any national team for that matter. Um, it's interesting. I've talked to a few of the men's players who aren't American for that matter, so that might play a factor. But a lot of them are like, you know, our goal isn't to play for the national team. It's to make it to – Europe you know or to play Mm -hmm. for this club or that club which I do find very interesting it's um I just think it's a bit different women's versus men's side um so I think that's also just interesting to me how the goals change um but I think mentally like you said I think it's tough you know like sometimes we'll find out through Twitter if you make Mm -hmm. the cut or you don't you know maybe you miss the email and then someone tweets at you and you're like Mm -hmm. hey congratulations or it's like what you know it's like or you know you see the roster and you're like dang like I never got the call to even say like I didn't get the call you know so um that's always like heartbreaking I mean um especially you know first getting called in with the full team obviously it was like amazing but then you know you don't get called in for maybe a year and you're like you know I haven't heard anything from anyone so that kind of sucks but planning purposes it is a bit tricky you know like with Mark and I sometimes we'll plan out stuff for like eight weeks and then you know come week five 
there's a camp and it's like, okay, great. Now we've got to not really postpone something, but it's almost like you freeze the schedule. And then after camp, you come back and you're obviously exhausted, you know, camp is so tiring, like just grueling mentally and emotionally. So then when you come back, it's like, are you really ready to like deadlift 290 pounds? Probably not. So (laughs) you might need to like, again, now you're tapering back and then pushing again. So you're now behind three weeks. So it is like kind of like a push and pull relationship with everything. Um, And Houston obviously has been great. You know, they're obviously very encouraging for all of our national girls, um, for all the, all countries to go, um, which is awesome. And they're very supportive, but again, it, it kind of is interesting, you know, you leave and then you come back and you're like, okay, what'd we miss? Cause we're obviously Mm -hmm. building on stuff during the fall season. So, or fall series. So, um, it's interesting, you know, it's quite the dynamic and I think, um, managing just your emotional and mental load, uh, is what gets you further on. If I don't think if you can manage that and you struggle with that, you're really going to crumble in that situation. Yeah. If it makes you feel any better when you're outside of the game and you retire, even though like I, you left me behind at U twenties, when you get out of the game, you realize that like you actually have a mind of steel and like a heart of steel. No one can like screw with you, which is something that like I valued a lot in life because it's like, oh, so what? I don't care. I've been cut. (laughs) (laughs) Try me. me. Come at me. (laughs) Yeah. I definitely think all of us have like a, uh, you know, obviously I'm not out of the game yet, but I, I do think it's like a blessing in disguise that we have gone through hell and back with all of our soccer experiences mentally, because now, especially like women's soccer, like how fudged up is some of the stuff we've been through, you know, and like, yeah, like you two are thriving and doing great. So I'm like, okay, clearly it's not too bad. So <laughs> you'll be okay. okay. Yeah, you'll be fine. We'll just keep yeah well speaking yeah. of mentality uh we wanted to get a bit into your houston career okay that's essentially your primary job while also balancing yep. all the national team stuff um congratulations challenge cup winners which is thank you but considering that i mean let's be clear you guys are literally in a bubble yeah. uh everyday soccer you can't really escape you can't really control your life in a lot of ways so I guess talk to us a bit because obviously with Houston, you know, it hasn't been the easiest ride from mm-hmm. when you were drafted to now, but kind of what was different this year, you think, that got you guys kind of over the hill and, and winning, yeah. you know? Yeah, I think uh, this is my fourth year here, and um, I've counted it out before for people, but in four years, I've had like 15 different coaches, head assistant and goalkeeper coaches. Um, I think between my first two years, I had eight different goalkeeper coaches. Um, So I don't think people understand that um, or really think I'm being honest. Like people probably think I'm exaggerating and um, I'm being totally serious. So, um, and there's players who are older than me who have been here longer, like Cammie Privet. I think this is her sixth year. Rachel Daly, this is her fifth. So there are players who have experienced more than that number, um, which I think is just absurd. So I think Biggest change that Houston has had, at least through the four years that I've been here, is stability. So James Clarkson came in last year as a head coach, got rid of everyone who was here before, and then hired a whole new staff. So that whole staff has now been repeated this year. Um, And I think that one is huge just because to see the same face, to know the same brain and the way he works and the way he thinks is just huge for any anyone who's under him and also anyone who's above him that way we know kind of what to expect and you know kind of where we're going with everything and then last year when he came in I think he really wanted to play a certain style and he's English and uh you know kind of wanted to bring some of that culture in but to be honest Houston has never really had like a huge name on it you know they've we've never really had like 10 allocated players like a Portland or a North Carolina you know we've never really had um you know, that crazy high bar level. Um, Not to say we can't play that way. It's just we've never had that big name to kind of carry Houston. Um, We've always had Morgan Bryant in and out. Carly Lloyd came and, um, you know, two huge respected names within U.S. soccer. But again, like they came and went. It was never really stable. Um, So Rach and I, I would say, have been the most stable here, you know, for five years, including Rachel's rookie year. So, 
um, when James came in and kind of realized we didn't really have, I think what he envisioned, he was like, okay, we need to change it and play kind of this blue collar, you know, gritty mentality type soccer, which might not be the prettiest, but it's going to get the job done. So I think last year we kind of went, you know, ups and downs. We were really close to making playoffs. And then towards the end, or sorry, in the beginning, we didn't do too great. And then towards the end, we kind of, we kind of figured out his style and what he wanted. And then we unfortunately fell short of playoffs. So coming into this year, he was like, okay, we've got the blueprint now. Like we've figured out how we can make this work with the talent we have and also the grittiness we have. So let's put that all together and make this formation. And so coming into 2020, even before the COVID stuff happened and the challenge cup, he was like, this is our blueprint. This is how we're playing. No questions asked, you know, and like, if it doesn't work, we'll move one or two people around, but the blueprint will stay the same. So then obviously when COVID hit and the challenge cup hit, the biggest focus was to nail the blueprint and to make sure when we had preseason coming up to the tournament, everyone, and I know we had a lot of trades and movement in the off season. And regardless if you were new or old, the blueprint remained the same. So everyone had to learn it. It was new to almost all of us. So um, nailing that in preseason was huge. And then coming into the challenge cup, um, in the beginning, the first four games, you know, we play, we didn't play great, you know, by any means. We had a couple good games and then a couple pretty bad games. But in the bad games, it was really good to see um, if we didn't follow the blueprint, it crumbled, you know, and um, people took advantage of that. So going into the uh, knockout rounds, it was all, the focus was just nail the blueprint. We don't have to play well. It doesn't have to be pretty. But as long as the, the blueprint is nailed, we'll, we'll come out successful, and we did. So um, I think the biggest thing, again, is like that stability and that, you know, common language that we all can get from James now, now that he's been here too. And then, you know, next year he'll be in three. So um, regardless of who's in and out with the squad player wise, everyone will know the same blueprint. Yeah. On that note, you know, from afar watching the games, it seemed like you guys have a very deep unity amongst the team, at least like watching mm -hmm. games and celebrations. I'm curious do you see a culture change? Because I, I feel from afar, it looks like you guys have really bought in as a group. Yeah, I think, you know, before James came, and I don't think it's anybody's fault necessarily from previous coaches, but I just think um, it wasn't necessarily a huge factor of culture, you know, like no one really addressed it. Um, people my rookie year and my second year, like, wouldn't say good morning to you or, you know, like everyone would just kind of be like, hey, I need to go get taped, like, see ya, kind of. And, and like, Little things like that, I think, to me, add up. And Joe and I know with Albertine Montoya on our U-17s, his main focus was culture. And that group was, like, the closest team I've ever been on to this day. And he preached culture and being a good person. And, unfortunately, that team, we lost. You know, I don't even think we lost. We just didn't make it through group stages in North the Korea. World Cup. Amazing. North Korea I know. Got us. Amazing. I know. But that's okay. But, like, again, like, we were so successful on pitch almost against every team. I don't think we ever lost that year. It was just, we tied and we should have won. But I think that, you know, looking back at all of our teams, I think all of us can say the most successful teams we've been on have been the groups that have been close knit and you don't necessarily have to be best friends with each other, but you have to have this mutual respect. And so when James came in, his biggest things were you have to be a good person. And uh, if you don't say good morning, in the morning, if you don't hold the door open, if you don't thank your trainer for taping you, if you don't thank the guy cleaning the gym after we work out, you know, it's like, you know, you're not any better than him and vice versa. So I think um, instilling that, especially in the rookies who come from, you know, a call, most likely a pretty good college atmosphere, you know, coming into this business world where it's pretty cutthroat, you know, people get waived, people get traded like at the drop of a hat and they don't really understand it. It's like, okay, how can you make them comfortable in this setting and knowing hey you might be my teammate for a month but I've got your back for this month and then once you head out or once I head out you need to make sure you instill that in, the, in your next teammate so um, for me that's kind of been like the goal coming in um, to Houston my rookie year was like hey I, I just want to make this group know that I'm here for them and I think a, a lot of people bought into that and uh, if you're not bought in it's very clear you know super cool Super cool. Now, is there, I know you mentioned a few kind of low points in your career. Is there a certain low point that you really used an adverse situation and just really turned it into, you know, this is who I am. I know for like, for example, like me, like after my ACLs, I like 
even though it was probably the lowest point in my career in life, when I came back from that, I was a whole new player. Is there a certain kind of something that happened to you where you're like, okay, I'm now a whole new Jane Campbell? Yeah, I think uh, that was my rookie year. Uh, my first start, um, I was supposed to start the very first game of the season, and I was told I wasn't because I went to national camp, which is interesting. But um, so I didn't, I didn't start the first game of the season, which was bizarre, even though I won the job. And then uh, our second game, we played away at D.C., and the coach said he didn't want me to play an away game for my first start, which, again, I thought was interesting. And then our third game was away at Seattle at – that stadium that they crush everybody at. So I was like, sick, great, you know, like great introduction. But um, that game, I think we ended up losing five to one, maybe five zero. And besides Castle beating us like nine to nothing that one year when I was like 12, that was like the worst loss of my career. I don't think I've ever let in five goals in college or club except that one game. So for me, I was just like totally distraught. And then of course, at the end of the game, the coach was like, hey, you're done. Like that was your one chance and you blew it and you're benched. And then players on the bus ride home, were talking about like how I'm not ready for the league and like how this, you know, I'm not, I'm not prepared to be here. And like, I need to sit a year, you know, whatever people calling me from us soccer saying like, Hey, you might need to like sit behind someone a year to like learn the ropes. And in my mind, I'm just like, golly, like, I don't know. Is that bad? <laughs> you know? like, I yeah, like, I know I played bad, but, like, golly, I don't know. It was just – it was, uh, you know, a domino effect of a lot of things. So then I did get benched. You know, that was the third game of the season. And that year the season was split up into three parts. So there was the first FIFA break, then the middle part, and then the second FIFA break. And, uh, you know, I just chugged along as the bench player and as the number two, which was fine, you know. But, you know, I'd come home from training and just, like, lay in bed all day and be like, what am I doing? You know, like, I'd call my Stanford coach and be like, you know, this isn't really what I had envisioned. Like, I know I'm better than this, but I don't really know what's, what to do. And, um, you know, he gave me some advice, but I ended up going to Barnes and Noble for like two hours and just walked each aisle. Yeah, I know. I got like a journal that that. I never used. Yep. (laughs) And just walked down the motivational (laughs) book aisle and like had no clue what I was looking for and ended up buying like three books, read them all within like a week. And the you know, all of them were very different, you know, some were really, one was like really small that I still have today. And one was like super big, but all of them had this theme of like being you and just like being confident in yourself. Um, and so I ended up getting our coach that year ended up getting let go. So then we had an interim leading into the first FIFA break. And, um, unfortunately the game before the first FIFA break, we lost, I can't remember who was against. So then we had the break and, uh, I called the interim and I was like, Hey, listen, like, I'm ready to go. You know, I'm just letting you know, like we've been losing, we have a losing record. Um, I've kind of like done some recap and like in training, I'm crushing it. And uh, I just want you to know, like I'm ready. And so then after the FIFA break, we all returned and he said, Hey, I'm going to give the starter one more game. And if, if we lose, you know, you've got the job. And I was like, okay, fair enough. You know, like no problem. Sure enough, that game we end up losing. Um, I think it was actually against DC again. So the following game was away at Orlando and he was like, you're the starter. He was like, go get it and good luck. And we ended up winning 2 nothing. And I think it was like our first shutout of the year. And it was the first time we had a multiple goal game. So after that, it was like, boom, you've got it. And uh, I ended up turning the season around and was up for rookie of the year. And uh, Ashley Hatch ended up winning it, which was great. She had an amazing season. They went to, I think, the finals that year. So um, it was just a really quick turnaround. But um, I think the difference between – that game and like, you know, like going against Marta and going against Ash and Kriegs. And I think Alex was there. I yep. think, I can't remember when she got there, but it was, you know, big name game. Like I had played with all those girls with U S soccer. So um, besides Marta, but like just a huge game for me. And just to know like, Hey, we're, we're losing, we're, you know, in the dumps. So we need to get something to pull us out. And I was like, okay, well that can be me. And my dad and I always say like, why not, why not be yourself and why can't that be you to get the team out of the mud so for me during that period of like reading those books and kind of like coming to Jesus with myself I was like listen like I just need to play how I did at Stanford and that was just like with fun and joy and if I make a mistake I make a mistake but I think before in that first start with Seattle I think I was just so like uptight about impressing everybody and like again kind of like Tina talked about with all this pressure when we were in youth teams it's like so many people knew who I was coming out of Stanford. It's like, oh, like, 
this goalkeeper did this and like you have this stat and it's like who cares you know like college has been there done that like this is a whole new ball game in the pro level and sure enough the game's so different between college and pro so you can't even compare so um I would say that was definitely like a very big big learning moment and like even now right like if we lose a game I'm kind of like okay once the whistle blows the game's over you know like move on like I'll go have some food and go to bed and the sun will wake up the next morning you know so um it was very uh, interesting for me and I'm glad I glad I went through that because now you know if I if I were to get benched because I'm playing bad it's like okay you know I'm probably deserving of getting benched but now how can I get myself out of this hole to be who I was or like be better than I was and for me that I'll always know how to do that now yeah do you think, I think that go ahead team no I was gonna say I think that's a a really good um life lesson for all because I know for me and Joanna probably Joe you feel this way like transitioning out it never ends the the need to have um a good core confidence in yourself um is so important because you Mm -hmm. constantly I think feel like people have these expectations of you especially being a competitor you never never leaves you as an athlete so I think that's a good message for everybody um but we wanted to also get into uh, outside of soccer, because we have ready, you know, you've graced us with so much knowledge in that area. <laughs> we wanted to talk about Ace of Spades, which is your clothing brand. Um, obviously, yeah, there it is, Fawnet. Um, you know, you're obviously a very busy balancing the Houston team and then the national team, but kind of, can you first, I'm going to give you the stage to kind of talk about the brand and, and what it's doing and, and what got you started, but also can you talk about what made you pursue entrepreneur? entrepreneurship especially in my opinion a field that's tough right clothing brands there's a lot of work that goes into building it out and selling it and launching um so yeah talk us through that a bit yeah I originally wanted it to be a sock company um Joe might know Tina you might not know but I my biggest things are shoes and socks so um I really wanted to be as yeah, okay. you probably did. You know, everyone probably knows now. It's kind of embarrassing, but um, my mom still peeves about it. She thinks it's such a waste of money, but that's okay. Um, so originally it was going to be a sock company and um, a little known fact, socks are way harder to manufacture than just like a t-shirt. So, and I did not know that. So um, I got, I got into work with this one lady who I met through a friend and um, she, you know, said she knew all these people overseas that could manu- manufacture the sock. So um you know, we tried to form this relationship and it ended up not working out. So we kind of cut ties. And then I was kind of stuck. I was like, dang, I don't really know what to do because I don't know anything about manufacturing socks and who to manufacture. Like, I don't know anyone overseas. And um, my dad tried to get me in touch with some of these people he knew who had like started shoe companies and like suit companies, but it was just different. So one of my teammates was like, hey, why don't you just start with something simple like a t-shirt? And I was like, okay, you know, and I was like, I don't really like, you know, t-shirts or a t-shirt, but my favorite clothing apparel item to wear as a hoodie even though I live in Houston um how ironic so um I was like maybe I'll just start with a hoodie and kind of go from there so um I picked two hoodie colors that I like which is gray and then a sand color and then I was like oh I guess I should do a crew neck because my parents hate hoodies they just love crew necks because they're country club people so I was like sure I'll give them a crew neck and um so I did two hoodies two crew necks and then launched those and um my goal was to make the money back. And I put $5,000 in and I made $5,000 back. I launched on almost Halloween of last year and I made it back by January. And I was like, Whoa, you know, like that granted it was winter time. So that kind of helped, but I was like, dang, like that kind of sold pretty quick. Um, and so, uh, I talked to my dad a bit about it cause he's like the big business guy, not really clothing, but, um, he knows a lot about business and he was kind of like, you know, you need to start kind of expanding it and kind of, you know, reaching more people than just your NWSL following, if that's what you want. And I was like, sure. But like, I have no clue what, who that would be, what that would be, you know, all the items are unisex for now, because I just want it to be available for anyone, you know, kids, I want it to be available for my 62 year old parents, you guys who are young. So it's like, I don't really, I don't really have like a target audience just yet. Um, but I think as the year, as in 2021, as that starts and um, the ball keeps rolling a bit. We'll start to branch more to like a specific audience group, I think. But the idea behind Ace of Spades was um, my mom and I had always played cards before uh, school, just in the morning. And um, as I got older, everybody always 
you know, when you play cards, everyone was like, who's got the ace of spades? Like that starts the game or like, that's the trump card or, or all these like, you know, little things with this card. And um, when I got into the pro game, especially, you know, especially coming out of Stanford and then like getting benched in the pros or even like with us soccer, like I get called in and people would be like, she's trash. You know, it's kind of like, dang, like I've always had this feeling about myself that I can be like this good or I can show this well or do this and that, that others can't. Um, kind of like my athleticism, like I know how athletic I am, but people don't know, you know, and like, it's not going to ever be public knowledge about that, but it's kind of like, I know how good I am. Like, why can't I just show that? So for me, having, you know, quote unquote, this card in your hand, if you're playing a card game, a lot of times in the game, you don't really want to play that card till like the final blow. It's like, you know, the winning card or, you know, again, like it trumps all other cards. So for me, the idea of being the ace of spades is kind of like, you know, you're holding your deck of cards or your hand of cards and you know, you have the card and that card, I look at it as myself and it's like, okay, when will Houston play this card? And like, to me, they played it in the Orlando game when we won. So for me, it's like that game showed the league, like, Hey, I'm here and like, I can play and I'm, I'm not just some schmuck. So the message, I don't really want it to be about me and like Jane Campbell. I want it to like resonate with everyone who might be like struggling to start a business or, you know, you're in a corporation, you want to get that promotion, but you just don't know how to do it. It's like, okay, Hey, listen, like you might not know how, but why just not try and do something you, that you, you've never done and why not like wing it. So for me, that's kind of the message behind it is like, know you've got the power to be that trump card and be the most powerful card in the deck just know when to play it um and that's kind of the idea behind the meaning of it so i hope again the meaning for it i didn't want it to just resonate with one group of people i want it to apply to everybody whether it's like the nine-year-old soccer kid trying to balance like you know three practices a day or like my dad like the 62 year old businessman who's just chugging along waiting for retirement you know so he's yeah what is dad yeah, so that's kind of the idea. I know Chris. Chris is the tennis mom. So, um, but yeah, that's the idea behind the brand. And I hope the items, you know, I want them to kind of just be pretty basic because I want the message to be the big things. And again, like I don't want it to be like this Jane Campbell logo. It's not about me and it's not about me as the soccer player. I want it to be about the brand and the message. And even like people who email the company, I never sign my name. It's just the Ace Spade Apparel team and the team is me and the two dogs. So um, <laughs> a little fun fact, you know, there's no team. It's just me. <laughs> but yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's really, really cool. And I think, you know, it doesn't surprise me because, you know, growing up, you always had the latest shoe and the latest, you know, outfit. So it's, <laughs> I'm really, really proud of you just as a friend, because, you know, that's jumping off a ledge and putting yourself out there and being vulnerable. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, to me, you're, you always have that confidence of that, that girl that I met in the airport that I thought I'd hate <laughs> for years. I know, look at us now. I know. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, so I'm really, you. really proud of you for that. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Um, it was definitely so we, weird. And like talking about myself is weird, but, um, yeah, I hope proud. the company We're can proud like, of you. yeah, thank you. We're thank so you. Proud I hope the company you. can like resonate with everyone. So we'll Listen, see. Listen, if you just keep putting photos up of you and your souped up car with that basis <laughs> logo, it's you're nice as it looks, I've ridden in it. It's a great car. <laughs> yeah. Thank it's you. Thank stunning. you. <laughs> Um, okay, cool. So we're going to just kind of do some rapid fire questions just to kind of like, kind of just bring it all together. Are you ready? Awesome. Ready. Coffee drink. Favorite. Venti iced coffee, two pumps of sugar-free vanilla, no classic syrup, an extra shot of espresso, and it's splash of half and half. (laughs) Bam. Got it. Okay. So if anyone ever needs to get you coffee drink, you need to text give it her. a written text. Yep. Yeah, text. <laughs> you just you let her app it and then pick it up with her name. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. All right. Describe yourself in three words. Oh gosh. I'll say funny, even though I'm not funny. Um, for sure, sarcastic and yes. mm, kind of lazy. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite NWSL team to play? To play. I love playing Orlando. We have like this weird hatred with each other and it always ends in a red card and I love it. So I know. I um, nearly I'm, got I'm a never, last time. I know, I know. I'm like never involved in the game. Like, I wish I was, but like I'm a hundred yards away. So I'm like, go team. Like, you got him. <laughs> <laughs> I literally nearly got in a fight. Someone was like, Joe, calm I know. down. I was like, 
It's amazing. I love it every time. Current favorite takeout? Oh, gosh. Um, wow. In quarantine, I did a lot of ramen, so I'll say ramen. Okay. There's a ramen Tell bar in Houston. Okay, nice. Do you want to shout them out? Um, Jinya. I call it Jenga, though. That's incorrect, but it's Jinya, I think. Okay, nice. <laughs> Television show you've recently binged? Um, I watched the barbecue cookout competition on netflix i don't know if that's like the title of it but okay. it it's is. like first one up it's pretty good and nice. like barbecue is great yes love it love it okay favorite teammate Oof. oh gosh favorite teammate um oh gosh it could be current because we all know that changes in time yeah. i know i know like tomorrow could be different um let's see i would say a new, I'll say a new teammate, Katie okay. Naughton has come out of the woodwork uh -huh. and been like yep. amazing. Oh. Like she, low key, low key. yeah, low, lowest low key. of keys <laughs> is yes. like the homie in all ways. Yeah. So I'll shout her out and say she's been um, an amazing person off field, but also on field, but she's at the league wide opinion. Yes, yeah. exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, Carolyn Jane Campbell, Corona Cup champion, Ace of Spades Good entrepreneur. Thank you. NASA goalkeeper. <laughs> we really, really appreciate you being the first person on two wash-ups, one pro. I know. I am so, so honored. This has been amazing. I've been looking forward to this all week because I knew you guys would have some great conversations. So I'm super honored. Anything you guys need, I'll send you guys some gear. Yes. You have to rep it all the time. Oh, I will. I want, yeah, I want yeah, one of those cool, uh, cool colored ones. Yeah, I'll send you all the colors. Love that. Well, we appreciate yeah. it. We love you lots. Love you guys. Thank you so much. You're so welcome.